Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Pivot Podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Joel Lampagos. You know, Joel is a TV executive producer. He's an entrepreneur. He's a philanthropist. I like to say he's a, he's an advocate for mental wellness for everyone out there. And, you know, overall, he's just a great person. And I'm lucky to have him on my podcast. So, Joel, how's it going? It's going good. Thank you so much for having me. What an honor. In the Pivot Podcast, we talk about how some people, they pivot to different careers, right? Uh, different positions in life based on life experiences. But, you know, I, I wanted to touch on that a little bit today. But I also really wanted to focus in on mindset. And I think mindset is something that, you know, sometimes we sometimes forget about it, right? Um, what yeah. fuels us, how it helps us. And so I kind of wanted to see if there was a pivot at a point in your life where you went, you know, from a, not even a mental wellness standpoint, but from a mindset standpoint, how did you, if you ever shifted your mindset or pivoted in a way where it's bringing you to where you're at now? Yeah, absolutely. You know, after doing entertainment for so long, there eventually came a point where I really needed to dig deep and figure out what it was that made me feel fulfilled, not just doing things based off of uh, societal expectations and what success, how success is defined as. And I really had a passion for mental health um, because for so long, to your point, you know, I was an autopilot of just doing the things that I was used to, you know, and eventually those things didn't make me happy anymore. And so I really wanted to figure out like, what were the things that made me happy? And I realized that a lot of the things that um, I was doing was for other people, you know, working in television, you're doing it for ratings to make sure that your show's a hit. And then I was always around friends, always around family, always in a relationship, but I never really spent time with myself. And once I spent time with myself, I realized this is actually the longest relationship I'm ever going to be in. So it might as well be a happy relationship. And I started to understand my emotions more and my feelings more and why I was doing the things that I do. And so that grew my passion for mental health. And so in addition to being an executive producer for television, I also started um, my mental wellness nonprofit. Thank you for your donation, by the yeah, way. No problem. And, um, you know, it is a place where therapists volunteer uh, to be of service to anyone and everyone 100% for free. You know, you were talking about, you know, societal pressures and your and also your role in TV. You know, from an outsider's perspective, some people are like, well, Joel, TV executive producer. And I was looking at your bio, biggest loser. You know, we're talking Hell's Kitchen. This guy is a hardworking individual. From other people's perspective, let's say, right? They're saying, Joel, you know, you have you have what what got it, you got what it's going on, right? You you're working in TV, you're in, in LA, be at parties. You know, so what was it about, you know, working that kind of maybe not industry, but just working that job where you had to maybe focus in on the inside rather than the outside? Yeah, as much as I could executive produce TV shows, I could not executive produce my own happiness. Wow. And that is something that we tend to overlook, something that you mentioned earlier. And that's why I love your podcast, because it's about pivoting, if you will, outside of one lane. And I think that as humans, we tend to 
limit ourselves in this puny box of identity and limitations based off of what we've already told ourselves we're good at. But when we do that, we refuse to learn new things. We refuse to be in the uncomfortable, but it's those new things and the uncomfortable that actually make us stronger. So while I was in entertainment, and yes, from the outside, people can say, that's so cool. You're going to this party and you're doing that show. Yeah. But it 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 was not the happiness that truly at the end of the day makes me fulfilled you know like on my tombstone when i'm gone it's not going to say joel rolapagos executive produced this show and went yeah. to these parties you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. I did personal memories and fulfillment with myself um no matter what my job is right because at the end of the day i'm not what i do that, that makes me who i am you know, our our amount of followers does not define who we are. Our amount of money does not define who we are. Our weight does not define who we are. So at the end of the day, it is really like our essence, whatever that is, despite the storm, right? If you are still true to yourself, no matter what, then that's what matters most. So, you know, growing up, was that something that you, you know, had or ever like internalized or looked at growing up saying, you know, what happiness is X, or I am successful if X happens. Is that something that you had growing up? Yeah, that's such a great question. You know, I grew up in a Filipino household yeah. and I think for many people in marginalized communities, we don't talk about emotions enough. And a lot of the conversations are performance-based, meaning did you get an A in your test? Are you going to be a doctor? What college are you going to get into, right? It's all of those things and nothing wrong with that. But what happens is if we're just talking about only that, we tend to neglect our own emotions. We tend to neglect all those things that um, keep us up at night, if you will. If you had that option to tell yourself at that, maybe a moment in time when you were working in TV and you probably were working the long hours and it was probably not the happiest for you, but what would you tell yourself knowing now the information that you have? What, what would you say? That your better days are ahead of you. And that you're limitless is what I would say, because I think that for a lot of people in careers or in certain moments in their life, they feel like they've hit a ceiling or, right, or a wall. Yeah. And it's just like, I remember thinking, why do I still feel so unhappy despite the job, despite the money, despite this? Um, and I thought that was it, you know, and I thought there was something wrong with me thinking like, I don't get it. Like, this is what I was taught to do in order to be happy, you know, but it is something beyond, like I said, the career and the money that makes you happy. Happiness is an inside job. Yeah. What, and so, you know, I kind of want to tap into that because I think that's so important for to, for listeners and viewers to understand. For you, did you have, let's say, growing up that empowerment to to help others or be that leader? Because, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie, change your algorithm. That's something that is just that creates leadership. It's not easy to to create. So um, I, I see your, you know, you create content producer, but was that always something that you had inside you or was that something you had to develop as you, you know, got older in life? Yeah, that's a really great question. And, you know, a lot of the things that I'm so passionate about ties into what I was passionate about as a kid. Okay. And a lot of us, this is why I love the story of Peter Pan is that we kind of forget what we were like when we were kids, like what made us happy, things that made us laugh, you know? And when I was a kid, I was so creative and, 
you know, I, 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 I liked helping other people and I like to draw and I like to laugh and I kind of like to let loose. Right. And yeah. then you grow up and then you really start to become really rigid and fit into this mold and start to do the things that you think other people expect of you. Um, and so as soon as I started to, yes, be creative as an executive producer, I was like, this is great. Yeah. Right. But when 2020 happened, I was also like, wow, there's so many people going through it, including myself yeah. with my mental health, where I was like, well, what can I do that's going to be much bigger than just some show? You know what I mean? Despite that show being a hit. Right. And so that's why I, I started Change Your Algorithm, which is my mental wellness program. And I was surprised to see, and this is kind of like a fun, encouraging tip for yeah. for people that tend that want to pivot or switch careers or whatever yeah. is that we already have these amazing skills that we've learned from childhood to adulthood and those skills can be applied into different types of industries i thought that initially i should not run a mental wellness company because i i'm a tv producer but then all of a sudden i was using my skills as a tv producer and applying that to mental wellness right from what is the brand you know what is the audience how do i get the outreach out there what is it that people are going to be getting in terms of value you know and these are all the things that i think about for a tv show except this time it's about mental health you know that's a good point. I think um, I think what we what the problem is sometimes is that people don't think you know even from childhood that the skills that they have and the things that make them happy wouldn't help them now. And I think you know you're a true testament of what it is. But you know I actually wanted to ask you. So you know you were talking about at a some at a point in time where you were just unhappy. How long did that take for that inward inflection for you to really say, you know what, I'm going to kind of break out of these barriers, but I have societal pressures, right? I have, you know, even people that you love that tell you one thing, right? And just really talk to yourself, you know, because I think what what is I find fascinating with you is, you know, you have so many hats, right? And, but the, the thing is that you're promoting is loving yourself, bringing that energy from inside, you know, to the external. But I think a lot of people get kind of caught up, right? And they don't know how to do that. So, you know, if you could provide maybe just a little, maybe an anecdote or, you know, help people. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that I want people to be aware of is that we're not our thoughts. And the number one thought slash limiting belief that I had was I'm not good enough, you know, and that created a sense of unworthiness. So even though I had my career in television, it still was like, I'm not good enough. And so I, it, it really was difficult for me to taken compliments to um, understand that, you know, I've come very far in my life. And so I had to work on that internal message of I'm not good enough. And I had to prove to myself that I was wrong, you know? And so as soon as I started to understand mindfulness and going, okay, I have a thought. The thought is I'm not good enough. Is that true? Or is it just my thought that I believe I'm not good enough? Right. And then I started to go, well, let me challenge that thought. Let me try to prove that thought wrong. Let me do cool things, you know, big things that really start to squash that thought, you know. And then I started to break outside of my comfort zone. I started to become happy with myself. I started to do things with mental health. I started to be of service with for people a lot more. And I went, Oh my gosh, you know, and that younger inner child of mine was like, wait, I am, I am good enough. 
right? And so I think that's the number one thing is going, we're not our thoughts. We're really the things that we choose to attach ourselves to. And if we do have a negative self-belief or a limiting belief, I advise people to challenge that because it's not true. You know, the metaphor that I use is passengers getting on a plane. Those are like our thoughts, right? Okay. But every passenger goes through a TSA check and TSA check makes sure that, you know, they're not bringing weapons and blah, blah, blah. Um, And if they don't pass it, they don't get on the plane, right? We have the ability to play mental TSA with each and every one of our thought passengers, right? Because once it gets onto that plane, it becomes a belief, right? And so we have the power to go, I'm going to play mental TSA on these negative thoughts right now. And the only thoughts that I'm going to have turned into a belief that get on my plane are the ones that are going to make me feel good and make me feel empowered to have a better future. That's fascinating. I think mental TSA, I'm keeping that up here. Because a lot of people see, you know, we live in a society now where you have Instagram, you have things that are very quick, right? That type of work does not happen instantaneously, I'm assuming, right? You know, having the opportunity to actually just, you know, cre- you know, have the time to actually lay the foundation, kind of destroy limiting beliefs, you know, from your experience and your perspective, it does create, it does take some time, correct? It absolutely takes some time. Um, and that's why my mental wellness program is called Change Your Algorithm, because like an algorithm for social media, which is what, yeah. is what you're speaking about, we tend to just abide by the algorithm, right? We're yeah, saying, yeah. Well, that's the algorithem. You can't really uh-huh. do the algorithm. Those are the reels it shows me and those are the photos. But slowly, if you start to like other things in your life that actually make you feel good and not nervous and anxious and sad, you can change the algorithm of your life. Scientifically speaking, it takes about 90 days on average to okay. create a new neural pathway, right? And this is why books like Atomic Habits are such yeah. a big hit. Because it's all of those tiny little changes that we implement into our daily lives and then add consistency on top of that. Then you look back and go, whoa, all those tiny little things that I added to my life eventually changed my life, you know? And so even if we started to go, all right, every day I'm going to try to catch one negative thought that I have about myself and then I'm just going to question it, you know? And then if you start to do that, you know, for a year, you know, 365 times, like your subconscious is going, oh, this is what I do. When I have negative thoughts, I go, let me, let me question that. Let me challenge that. And then boom, all of a sudden you have this new habit that you have for your life that you're going to take with you forever. I think that's so fascinating. I think it's just, it's that beautiful marriage of just taking the time, but also just knowing who you are. And I think for every listener out there and viewer, just, you know, if you have a limiting belief, it does take time, right? Um, you know, I actually want to ask you a question. Based on your experience, did COVID change a lot of the, I guess, the workings with like TV and things like that, right? We we went through a, a very crazy time, right? But was that something that kind of helped bolster, um, I guess, the inner workings of change your algorithm and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. When um, when COVID first started, here in the U.S., you know, entertainment was put on pause like yeah. all other companies and industries. And people were like, well, what are we going to do? Well, maybe we can make shows virtually. Um, but it really slowed down. And this is what I love about Silver Linings. I told myself, well, let me use this as an opportunity to mm-hmm. try something new and help other people. And I remember in the beginning of 2020, 
I was thinking about starting a mental wellness company some way, somehow. And then when March happened with the quarantine, I was like, this is the biggest sign I could ever receive right now. Very you know, yeah. people's mental health were really um, needing support. And so I took that as an opportunity to be of service to others in something completely brand new. You know, we were talking about earlier in your life, you had some experiences, right? You know, I just wanted to ask you, you know, growing up Filipino family, like who were your you know, biggest influences in just becoming who you are right now, right now and as well as future? Yeah, you know, that's such a good question. So in terms of me growing up, I didn't have many idols other than like okay. my parents, really. Wow. You okay. know, and entertainment was not a, a big yeah. thing for me. And because in the household, it, it just wasn't a thing. Yeah. Right. And so I really had to figure out, I, I kind of had to be my own like role model, if you wow. will. Yeah, I yeah. think that when you start to see yourself as um, your own role model for the younger version of you, it's really empowering, you yeah. know, because you start to become the parent that you didn't feel like you had or the best friend you feel like you didn't have or, or whatnot. And then you start to become your own role model and it's whoever it is that you want to be. And that's really cool if you see it that way. So, yeah, you know, kind of diving into that just a little bit, but it is a really tough industry. So we live in LA, people, you know, people that are living in LA know kind of that industry. But if you're living from other states, you know, you really have no kind of idea or can't conceptualize that. But it's a very tough industry. And you were talking about how you had no outside influence in, in essence when you first started. So what was it about it that you just, because being a producer, I mean, you have so many different hats. Um, and I can't even fathom just how many you have. So what was it about TV or as well as entertainment, excuse me, in general? And two is, you know, how did you really just push yourself? Yeah. So I was geared up to be a doctor. Okay. <laughs> like many Filipino uh, kids, you're just kind of like told to get into medical somehow. And I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> I guess I should be a doctor now. Um, and I remember going to UCLA and thinking how unhappy I was that I, I was, you know, gonna get into medicine. And it just like, I didn't like the side of blood. It didn't really yeah. uh, just wasn't my thing, right? Nothing wrong with it, of course, just for me, it wasn't my thing. Um, but I also remember being unhappy because I was in the closet. And yeah. I felt like I was living a lie. And this is how amazing the universe works. You know, I saw an ad online about MTV looking to cast college kids um, that were wanting to come out of the closet. And so I wrote MTV, uh, my story, saying my name's Joel. I grew up in a strict Catholic Filipino home. I'm in the closet. Uh, and they called me two weeks later and they said, we want to we wanna film you, but you got to tell your family this documentary is about college kids growing up because you have to come out to them like on camera yeah. so they can't know what it's about yeah. and so I came out to my whole family on camera and it was the best slash craziest thing I'd ever done um because once the show aired people were coming up to me saying you saved my life you know and oh. you changed my life and if I had ever wanted to be a doctor it would have been to save lives yeah and by doing that TV show, I realized that there's more than one way to save a life outside of medicine. And so I said, 
this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to get into entertainment and help people tell their stories. Um, I called MTV and then they gave me a job and wow. I never, yeah, I never left entertainment since. That's actually a good point that I wanted to talk about. I'm seeing a good trend here. Feel maybe unhappy or when you feel that you're not doing the right thing, you make it, I guess you put it upon yourself to make sure that you are happy. Yeah, you are doing the right thing with your own personal compass, right? You know, there is issues nowadays where people, even if they feel that, and they know they feel that, they don't act upon it. Yeah. You know, like we just talked about two anecdotes where you've done it yourself and you put the action, right? What is it about you and just putting your foot forward and making sure that, you know, you yourself, right, in the right state and you yourself are doing what you feel, you know, is right for you? Like, how, how are you able to do that? Yeah, you just have to be brave enough to know that you're going to suck at something. <laughs> I think a lot of people don't do these things because they feel like other people are going to judge them if they fail. And even if other people weren't watching, like, I just don't want to fail myself. But truly, failure is the biggest learning lesson for success. We know what defeat feels like. And so now success is that much sweeter and there's no good time to do anything, yeah. uh, any, any big major moves. So you just kind of have to do it. That's why Nike has like the best slogan out there. So <laughs> literally just do it. Version one is better than version none. And even if it was just something as small um, and doesn't have to be like a big giant step. Like you just kind of have to move towards that direction and eventually you'll get there. You know, and I think that a lot of people have a huge fear of judgment from other people. But again, that is a limiting belief. That is a thought, right? Because a lot of the times, you know, some people, they're just like, they don't care. Are the people yeah. that are going to care are the people that you probably shouldn't even have in your life. Right. Because that's another thing that we have, like we have the power to create like our own environment. And if it is going to be family members that are going to judge you, they still don't have to dictate your life because we're all we're all becoming adults here. Right. So that that's what I would say is that you literally just have to do it. And, the, and this kind of piggybacks on what you were just saying. So you were talking about doing things that were uncomfortable. Right. And, you know, getting into that feeling that you're uncomfortable because so you could kind of break a barrier. Was there, a, you know, an anecdote that you have that where you were probably trying to do something that you were so uncomfortable, probably had a little bit of fear, but you were able to push through and get to the other side and feel feel great about it? Yeah, I, my antidote is to replace judgment with compassion. I was so good at judging myself that that judgment turned into guilt and that guilt turned into shame. But as soon as I started to replace judgment with compassion, again, you know, little habits that will become uh, our lifestyle, I started to go, I started to stop insulting myself and actually started to speak kindly for myself. And if I was going through a tough time, you know, I was starting to applaud myself, if you will, for being brave enough to go through this tough time, even if life does suck, you know, and so it, it really changed my mindset back to what we were talking about, because all of a sudden, that judgment started to go, all right, well, I guess there's not, there's not that much room for me yeah. right now in this car, in this road trip that you're on, because you filled it up with 
and passion, yeah. right? And so that that was a big changer for me, for sure. That's, you know, that's something that we all struggle with, right? I'm struggling with that. I'm trying to learn little by little yeah. to, to be compassionate, not only, you know, not only to others, but to myself, right? We talked about how you wanted to be a doctor, you, you moved into entertainment, there's there's a lot of different changes going there. And then now you have change your algorithm. And, you know, what I noticed with you is just you're relentless, right? So Joel's a very, you know, athletic individual. He's really wrecked. You know, the physical can lead to the mental, right? Yeah. And I think you're a true embodiment of it. So, but give me kind of your take on being consistent and also pushing for that physical mental state. Yeah. And I think it's that philosophy I, I've been telling myself about not being better than other people, but being better than who I used to be. And before I turned 40, I was like, ah, my best days physically are behind me. And I was like, wait, hold on. Mental TSA check. Yeah. Is that true? Let me just attempt to be in the best shape of my life at 40. You know, and how do we do that? Right. Hard work and consistency. And then once I started to do hard work and consistency, I noticed my body to change. My I noticed my body was changing, and then I went, "Holy moly! This is a giant metaphor for life." You know that if we apply these tiny changes and we do it consistently, the changes become bigger, and we notice change happens. You know, and plus on top of that, when we're physically moving, yeah. you know, our mindset actually starts to change as well. Like we're not designed to be stagnant. Um, and just watch the world go by. Right. And so I really love that. And so in addition to the fact that I've already been so motivated with lots of other things, I found like this love and desire for fitness, which at the end of the day is more of a mental health thing than anything. And I don't know if you could attest to this, but if you, let's say, I mean, you probably don't miss a day, but let's say you have a a long day, right. And you're just tired, you know, the the day is kind of struggling, you're going through I find that, you know, if I don't get my a workout in, or even if it's like 10, 15 minutes of just move, moving or doing something, I, I feel like that kind of, you know, weight st- stays with me till I even sleep. So is that something that's kind of that you feel too? Yeah, absolutely. We do such a good job of um, using up time in our day to have negative self-thought, to have, have living beliefs, to pay our bills, all these things. And but we can carve out time for ourselves. You know, this is like my form of therapy. And when we do that, um, we go, oh, this is kind of like brushing my teeth. And this yeah. is kind of eating. Like I actually like have to do this now, you know? And so for me, I just made it a part of my life. And as soon as I started to focus more on like the action itself versus the outcome, um, that's when everything started to change. Because I think a lot of people you know, we'll go to the gym a couple of times and be like, I don't notice, I don't notice anything. (laughs) But fall in love with the action more so than the outcome, because all of that will, will, will happen eventually. Now, is that how you approach life in, in a sense? Yeah, one step at a time. You know, one of my favorite quotes from Martin Luther King, who said, don't look at the entire staircase, just take the first step or just take the next step. And I think so many of us go, oh, my God, that's such a giant staircase. It's going to take me forever. And that person's already up there in the staircase and that person's way ahead of me. But it's like, there we are at the bottom of the staircase, talking about the staircase, looking at everyone else who's up in the staircase, when all you need to do is just take that next step. And then you take the next one. You know, when you involve yourself with the action of taking steps versus 
going that's so high up there, you know, like that's what it takes is you just yeah. have to keep moving. Literally. I also noticed that you also did some kind of API advocacy. I, I love it. What is it about sometimes in being an advocate that, you know, especially for the API community, what, what was it, what was it about it? You know, you wanted to help out and. Yeah. You know, when the stop Asian hate movement happened, it was the most connected that I ever felt towards the API community, the most connected that I ever felt towards my culture and my race, ethnicity, all of it. Um, because there was so much wackiness going on that I felt like, again, I needed to do my part, you know, and luckily LeBron James's company Spring Hill gave me a call and then they said, we want you to do this um, show about Stop Asian Hate. And then now that show is called Recipe for Change, um, which focuses on amplifying all marginalized communities. That's just how it works is that like you start to, go, okay, what can I do to make a difference? You know, what can I do to make a change? Not for validation from others, but because it makes you feel good, right? With no one else around. Like this is truly genuinely what's going to make you feel good. And I started to do that. And it was really great to give people an opportunity to use their voice, to say whatever it is that they want to say, the same way that I fell in love with television because someone gave me the opportunity to use my voice and say what I wanted to say. And so that's all we can really do as people, I think, is to not just climb the mountain and be like, see you later, y'all, you know, but to able to be able to reach back and help other people climb that mountain with you. To me, that's encompassing who you are, right? Just trying to not only get on top of the mountain, but also help others out there. And we see it through what you've been doing. But how is it as an individual who has who wears so many hats, right? And who's able to help others and create programs as well as be a content creator. How are you able to do all these things? Yeah, honestly, when I, right before bed, I'm going to think of, okay, what is it that I want to take on um, tomorrow? And I don't overwhelm myself where it's like, 7 a.m. this, 8 a.m. that, 9 a.m. this. But literally, I just go, all right, what are my values? And what can I do to make sure that I advance each of those values further? You know, and so even if it's just one step per value, right? So I value my job in television. I value my mental wellness company. I value my physical health. I value my mental health. And so what are the things tomorrow that I can start, I, I can implement? You know, and then you look back at the end of the day and you're like, okay, I did it. And even if you didn't do it again, replacing judgment with compassion, you go, all right, I'm going to continue that tomorrow. It's funny though, how we all think we don't have enough time, right? Sometimes we don't, right? But just you talking about, you don't have to do the 7am, 8am, I wake up, have, you know, breakfast. It's sometimes you just create just the values you have and what is the most important things you need to do. And I think that's something that a lot of people should you know, take into consideration. And I'm kind of wrapping things up. You know, we, we learned a lot about just, you know, changing your mindset and just changing, even changing career moves, right? If you had just the opportunity to sit someone down, Hey, Joel, I'm having a hard time. You know, I'm working where I don't want to work. You know, I'm not working out. I'm literally just down in the dumps. What are three things, you know, I know you, there's so many nuggets that we have, right? But if you sat this person down and you created, a, let's say, a book, let's say there's three things you have to tell this person, that's it. What would you tell them? Those three things, I would tell them to put their energy towards faith over fear, 
because we tend to put our energy towards fear, but we need to put our energy towards well, faith. Point. Yeah. The second thing is to visualize what you want your life to look like, because we tend to visualize what we don't want our lives to look like. We don't want to be sad. We don't want to be a failure, but visualize what it looks like to be successful, to be happy, to be in love, yeah. all those things. And then the third thing is to take action towards those positive visualizations, you know? You know, you talked about visualization, and I think that's always one thing that uh, a lot of people have a hard time doing, right? Yeah. Can you give maybe an example that you probably do maybe for people to, who have no idea how to do it, one or two, who struggle in doing it? Yeah, you know, when we have anxiety, we're visualizing worst case scenario happening, right? When we're having depression, we visualize um, sad things that have happened to us in the past. And so we have a, po- a power to have visualization. So if we flip it and we start to visualize, you know, who are the people that I want in my life and write down who the people are that you want in your life yeah. and then visualize um, what are the things that I want to be doing, you know, and then you write down the things that you want to be doing. And even if you're starting off with words and then start to create a picture, you know, or draw it, or even listening to a song that inspires you or motivates you and start to create, start to turn those words into visions in your head, because that's how our subconscious works. It doesn't use words. You know, if our subconscious were to text us, it would, it would use emojis, you know? And so do your best to start to look at pictures that you're really going to digest because that's going to be your future. You know, we are going to be the things that we constantly think about. And just wrapping this up, you know, in five years, where do you see yourself and what's your going to be your give us, I guess, your greatest gift down the line? You know, it's all said and done. Yeah. In five years, I want um, Change Your Algorithm to be in plenty of countries. Um, right now we're in nine. You know, my aim is to do like a hundred. Um, and then in television, you know, I will have created a show that ties into mental health and it's a hit show and there's an Emmy about it. <laughs> hey, you know what? You're, you're, you're almost there, right? Um, yeah. I, you know, I think the just learning about everything, I think, you know, seeing how you proceed with life and seeing the different aspects is just truly remarkable. And um, you know what? I just, I, I'm so happy that you came and so happy you could share it. Um, if anyone wants to reach you, where they can they reach you? Yeah, they can check me out on Instagram at Joel Rolampigos and then go to my nonprofit website, which is changealgorithm.com. All right, Joel, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you, brother. Ah, my man. <laughs>